Good morning. We are so glad that you're with us this morning. We thank you for being here. Um, if you're visiting with us, we hope that you will give us an opportunity to get to know you a little bit after services. Uh, I'd love to get to speak with you. I, I should say this for our own members. Please don't be uh, upset or disappointed if I'm talking to you and I leave our conversation to go meet a visitor. Um, I'll come back and apologize, but I want to meet all of our visitors. So um, I'll ask for forgiveness later, but uh, please excuse me if I, if I leave you to go talk to one of our visitors. Since I'm so glad that we have all of you coming, and uh, we hope to make you feel welcome and at home. Tonight, we continue our series on transitions by looking at the empty nest. I know small groups are tonight, and I know you're a little bit anxious because the Super Bowl is on. Uh, I'm going to tell you that I'm not shortening my sermon in any way. I am not going to uh, accommodate those who want to see the Super Bowl. Um, Glenn Freeman is going to give me updates from the back pew. He's going to kind of... So I'm sorry if you can't see those. We are glad that you're here this morning. I, I don't know if you heard the story about the woman who, call, who called the local Church of Christ preacher and she asked if he would do a funeral for her dog who just passed away. And the preacher said, no, I don't do that kind of stuff. I'm sorry. And she said, well, do you know who would? And the preacher said, well, the Presbyterian Church or the Episcopal Church, I believe they bless animals, so you might call them, they might do it. And she goes, okay, well, just a word of advice. Should I pay him 500 or 1,000? And the local Church of Christ preacher said, I'm sorry, I didn't realize your dog was Church of Christ. I'd be glad <laughs> to do the funeral. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 23, and starting at verse 1, it reads, then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe, but do not do according to their deeds. For they say things and do not do them. They tie up heavy burdens and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are unwilling to move them with so much as a finger. But they do, but they do all their deeds to be noticed by men, for they broaden their phylacteries, they lengthen the tassels of their garments, they love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by men. But do not be called rabbi, for one is your teacher and you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father. He who is in heaven, do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is Christ, but the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself shall be humbled, and whoever humbles himself shall be exalted. A police officer pulled over a gentleman, asked for his license and registration, and the gentleman said, what's the problem, officer? I know I wasn't speeding. I didn't run any red lights or anything. And the officer says, that's true. However, I saw you whiz around the little old lady driving in the right lane too slow. I saw you shake your fist at her as you went around her. I heard you honking your horn violently as, as you were upset that the woman in front of you at the red light wouldn't go quick enough when the light turned green. I saw you give an obscene gesture to that man who pulled out in front of you. And the man looked at the officer and he said, are any of those crimes? And the officer said, no, but I saw the Jesus loves you bumper sticker and thought you must have stolen the car. <laughs> you know, when you consider... The Pharisees here in Matthew chapter 23, you see, some, you see some people that still exist today. Actually, there are three kinds of people in this world, aren't there? There are believers, 
There are unbelievers and there are make-believers. And they're all pretty self-explanatory, right? A believer is someone who has faith in God and Jesus and tries to walk as a disciple would walk. An unbeliever is pretty self-explanatory as well. An unbeliever is someone who has no desire to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, someone who doesn't believe and who stubbornly refuses to do God's will. And then you have the make-believers. And the make-believers get no respect in society. They are the worst of the worst. They are on the bottom of the totem pole. Even the unbelievers look down their nose at the make-believers, right? How many times have you heard that? A make, uh, an unbeliever say something like, well, at least I'm consistent. At least you know where I stand. I don't go and try to pretend and go to church with all those hypocrites up there. So even the make-believers get the attention of the unbelievers, and the unbelievers get on their moral high ground, they stick their chest out, and at least they can say, I'm consistent. You know where I stand. When you look at make-believers in Scripture, what you see is they are someone who pretends to have virtues, moral or religious beliefs, principles, etc., that he or she does not actually possess, especially a person whose actions belie stated beliefs. That's a more dictionary definition, right? It's a person who feigns some desirable or publicly approved attitude, especially one whose private life opinions or statements belie his or her public statements. Like the preacher who had no desire to do a funeral for a dog until he realized he was going to get paid for it. Or like the gentleman who, who has a Jesus loves you bumper sticker on his car, but he drives like the devil. Or like one who binds on others what they are unwilling to do. Like one who performs acts of piety to be seen by men. Like one who seeks attention and special treatment because of their religiosity. Like one who looks beautiful on the outside, but inside is dead. The Greek word for hypocrite is a little bit of a difficult word to say. Hypocrites, And it denotes an actor or a stage player. It was custom in the Greek or Roman culture for them to wear large masks and, and use a mechanical device to augment their voice as these actors spoke, this word, hypocrites, became used metaphorically for someone who was a dissembler or a pretender. It's the word Jesus used in Mark chapter 7, verses 6 and 7, when he writes, Rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. How do you define a hypocrite, right? Well, that's it. Someone who professes to love God with their lips, but their heart is far from God. That's a hypocrite. Christian is just a role that you play. It's not a life that you live. The Pharisees were giving an Oscar-worthy performance. They, they put on a marvelous show. They were the greatest showman, at least in the eyes of the people. And then along comes this man named Jesus. And he gave the people a behind-the-scenes look at the lives of the religious elite. It's kind of like that documentary series on E! right now by Leah Remini the, the, that exposes Scientology and, and all of the cultish behavior. It's the same thing. Jesus is coming in and he's pulling back the curtain. He's exposing who the Pharisees truly are. You like the Mission Impossible movies? I know Nathan does. We talked about it. Mission Impossible, I've seen all the movies, uh, the, the entire series, the, the latest one is, is the best, by the way. But if you've seen these Mission Impossible movies, you know, or, or maybe if you haven't, have you seen the Scooby-Doo cartoon? You know Scooby-Doo. If you know anything about Mission Impossible or Scooby-Doo, you know that they have one thing in common, and that is masks. I don't know how many times the series for Mission Impossible, 
you're watching it and, and, and your mind is thinking in a certain direction and all of a sudden the, they peel off a mask and it reveals an entirely different identity, right? Scooby-Doo is the same way. Just about every episode ends with the gang capturing the perpetrator and pulling off the mask and it turned out to be somebody that they never really thought it would be. Jesus is taking off the mask. That's what Matthew 23 is all about. It's Jesus removing the mask. He's peeling off that outer layer to show what's underneath. And the reason why is because leaders, especially religious leaders, should be leading people in the proper direction. And Jesus says that the scribes and Pharisees are not only not leading people in the proper direction, they are keeping people out of heaven. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you shut off the kingdom of heaven from people. For you do not enter in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. All of the accusations levied against the religious elite, of all those accusations, none were worse than this. There could be no worse accusation than you are keeping people out of heaven. But I want you to notice something else. Notice what Jesus says in verses 1 and 2 again. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have seated themselves in the chair of Moses. Therefore, all that they tell you, do and observe. Why would Jesus tell them that? Why would he tell the people that all the Pharisees tell you, do and observe? Why would he say that? After talking so so honestly and openly about how much they were hypocrites and brood of vipers and all that, why would he tell the people to obey what they said? Well, because it was coming from God, right? The law wasn't the issue. The law had been handed down to Moses and then to Joshua and on and on. And they were handing down the law of Moses. The other stuff you could, you could set aside, but the law was to be obeyed always. And it brings up a good point, doesn't it? And that is truth is truth no matter the source. I don't care who says it. Truth is truth. Listen to these quotes. The world suffers a lot. Not because the violence of bad people, but because of the silence of the good people. You know who said that? Napoleon Bonaparte. How about this one? Those who fight in God's cause will be victorious. It was Saddam Hussein. Or Charles Manson, who said, as long as there's hate in your heart, there'll be hate in the world. Some of the most horrible people that ever lived could spout truth. Truth is truth, no matter the source. And that's essentially the point that Jesus is making here. What they tell you, do it. When it comes from God, because ultimately, it has a divine source, right? And so whoever's mouth it comes from, if it originally comes from God, then it's truth. You listen and you do it. Follow the law, even if it's the hypocrites that are telling you to do it. Because your obedience to God is, is what's most important, not man. But then notice what he says. But do not do according to their deeds. For they say things and do not do them. The message is simple. Do as they say, not as they do. Listen to them. If it agrees with the law, then do it, but don't follow in their footsteps because they are a terrible example. They are not your standard for living because they did not obey the law themselves. They found these loopholes and ways of getting around it. It was the fact that they bound up thousands of minute laws that were burdensome and even superseded the law itself in some cases. Jesus says, don't do that. Don't follow their example. 
Then in verses 23 and 24, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe the mint and the dill and the cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides who strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. It wasn't wrong to tithe. That was part of the law. Although they did not, or they were not required, I should say, to tithe the tiniest herbs out of their garden, yet they did anyway, to the exemption of things that mattered more, like justice and mercy and faithfulness. It's, it's about proportion here. The, the Pharisees were out of balance. You're so concerned about tithing the minutest things and yet you're neglecting the things that really, really matter, like justice and mercy and faithfulness. It's like you're straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel at the same time. You know, the Pharisees had this filtration process that they would, they would pour their wine through a filter to remove any microscopic impurities, including gnats. Because as we've talked about, the Pharisees were bent on being clean. And that was paramount in their religion. And so they strain out all these impurities and they strain out these gnats so that they don't swallow anything unclean. And Jesus pokes fun at them and says, yet you'll happily swallow a camel because you're missing the whole point. That is why the Pharisees despised Jesus because not only did he take off the mask, not only did he pull back the curtain, he also gained a following. People listened to him. What he said made sense and the Pharisees couldn't stand that. They wanted to be the show. They were the stars of the show up till now. And here comes this man claiming to be the Messiah who was stealing their thunder. I can remember several years ago, and you probably can too, Coca-Cola used the slogan, the real thing. Wendy's had a slogan or a tagline that said, you'll know when it's real. Remember those? We have all kinds of companies trying to gain our trust by naming themselves something that's trustworthy like fidelity or or, or trusted choice, or prudential. What's, what's prudential's uh, a symbol or logo? It's a, it's a rock, right? Signifying strength, that you can rely on them. News stations do it all the time, right? A team you can trust, right? We see it all the time in our culture with advertising. Advertisers are trying to gain our trust. We see reliability, trustworthiness, and authenticity being something that is marketed over and over again because people don't like to be duped. We don't tolerate hypocrisy, at least not in other people. And so when we look at the Pharisees and what was going on here, we see that the people were investing their time and their energy into something that wasn't trustworthy. Jesus is saying in no uncertain terms, don't trust the religious leaders they are not leading you to heaven in fact they will lead you away from heaven if you allow them to here's the deal jesus came to show people what real looks like the pharisees were pretenders jesus is authentic but here's something i don't think we always consider when we're reading this from the outside observer at least in this day and time it might have been hard, at least on the surface, to determine the difference between the Pharisees and Jesus. You ever thought about that? I mean, the Pharisees were beholden to the law. Jesus talked about the law. 
The Pharisees were very much interested in ritual. Jesus worshipped. I mean, from the outside looking in, it might have been difficult to tell who was real, who was authentic. But that's the difference. Jesus pulls back the layer on the outside and shows, exposes who the Pharisees really are. There was no mask to Jesus. He was authentic. He came to show what real looks like. The Pharisees were actors in a religious play, and Jesus was the director of the whole production. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they are full of robbery and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside of it may become clean also. Now, we talked about it already. The Pharisees were, were very much a clean people. They, they worked hard at being clean. They were very concerned about cleanliness. For a person to be ceremonial unclean meant that they were not allowed access to the temple. And you know what that meant? It meant that they weren't allowed to worship. And so it was, it was the, uh, the worst of possible offenses to be considered so unclean that you couldn't enter the temple and worship. Now, part of the process of ensuring that a person remained clean was paying close attention to the things that were used in everyday life, like cups, utensils, plates, those types of things. And so what was on the inside or on those vessels had to be clean. The utensils themselves had to be clean. The vessels themselves had to be clean. What didn't matter is how the contents were obtained. The stuff that they were eating, the stuff that they were pouring in those vessels could have been obtained through theft or extortion. They didn't care about that. That didn't matter. All that mattered was the cup was clean. All that mattered was that the plate was clean. You know, we study the Pharisees and we read about their actions and, and we scoff and we laugh and we point the finger. But you know this as well as I do. If you're honest with, your, with yourself, it is much easier to be like a Pharisee than it is like Jesus. Isn't it? I mean, if we're honest with ourselves, it's a whole lot easier to be like a Pharisee than it is to be like Jesus. How do you know? How do you tell the difference? Well, first of all, you're all about the rules and you're less about the reason. I think, unfortunately, too many Christians have taken it upon themselves to be the brotherhood watchdogs. You see this play out on social media a lot. Their view of Christianity is, is following God's law. That's it. You follow the rules. But in doing so, they're very unloving. Too many Christians are worried and more concerned about following the rules than they are about following Jesus, if that makes sense. And when someone's not following the rules, they're very unchristlike in their criticism of them. Look, folks, rules modify behavior. That's all they do. They don't transform you. They don't make you a better person. They modify behavior. That's all they do. The only one who can truly transform you is Jesus Christ. That's it. So discipleship is not just about keeping the rules faithfully. It's about faithfully following Jesus. The rules are in place not because God is some dictator trying to catch you on a technicality. The rules are in place because God loves you and he wants you to be with him for all eternity. And if you love me, you will keep my commandments, Jesus said. So I'm following the rules because I love Jesus and I want to be with him for all eternity. It's more the reason behind the rules than just keeping the rules. Obedience is a manifestation of love. And you love your heavenly father so much 
that, that you want to please him in all that you do. And you express that love and obedience through obeying his will. Secondly, you care more about the ritual than you do the relationship. That's how you know you may be more like a Pharisee than like Jesus. You come to church, but you're not the church. You're at the building every Sunday. You've been baptized, but you still aren't doing what you know you should do. You're still living life on your terms. There's no following. There's no picking up a cross. The only thing that's really changed in your life is your schedule. Now you come to church on Sunday, but Monday through Saturday, you live like a heathen. Perhaps, perhaps you're someone who comes and you, you recite the prayers, you, you, you listen as the sermon's being preached, you sing songs, but there's no sacrifice, there's no deeper commitment, there's no transformation, no change. In fact, your life now isn't a whole lot different than when you were not a Christian. But hey, at least you're coming to church, right? Third, you settle for an imitation rather than striving to be the real thing. There was a, a guy many years ago by the name of Carl J. Joseph. Maybe you heard that name. And uh, he, he spent nine years wandering through 13 countries and 47 states. And he often walked around barefooted, wearing a robe. The resemblance to Jesus, as if we knew what Jesus looked like, was uncanny. And many people followed him. He gained a gathering as, as people followed him into churches and they wanted to hear him speak because many thought he might be Jesus back on earth. There are many people who are settling for an imitation rather than the real thing. There are many people that prefer the knockoff. Regardless of the truth of who Jesus is, they don't care about his true identity. There are people who would rather buy in to the knockoff. God is an American. Jesus is a socialist. Jesus is a Democrat. Jesus is a Republican. People want to use Jesus for their own political gain. People want to, you know, they want to make God some Americanized version of what they believe and they use him for their pet agenda. You notice how many politicians don't care anything about the Bible until it affects whatever policy they want to enact and all of a sudden they're plucking verses out of context. And many people don't want to hear anything different. They don't want to be confronted with the real God or the real Jesus. They just want to believe what they believe because it's much more convenient. Many people want a God that doesn't judge them, that doesn't get involved in their lives until they need him. They don't want anyone confronting this truth because they want to believe the lie because appearances are everything. My friends, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself, which were the two greatest commands given by Jesus, to do those things yet to mess up from time to time, that's not hypocrisy. And we need to make that clear. My guess is most of you, if not all of you sitting here this morning, are striving to be Christ-like, but you mess up. That's not hypocrisy. And the folks who want to say that that's hypocrisy while standing on the sidelines and judging everybody else, that's a misnomer. They don't have a true assessment of what hypocrisy is. Because if that's hypocrisy, then we're all guilty, right? No, that's inconsistency. And we're all inconsistent at times. Hypocrisy is when we wear a mask, when we pretend to be something that we're not, when we're trying to fool other people into believing that we're something that we're not. There are many imperfect children of God. In fact, all of you sitting here this morning fit that bill. But a pretender, one who is not authentic, that's who Jesus is pointing the finger at. 
the difference can be subtle at times. But at the end of the day, authenticity is about being like Jesus. Even though in our following we stumble at times, even though we're inconsistent, authentic is trying and striving with all of our might to be real. Pretenders don't do that. Do you notice I have a cake up here? I wrote on the top of it, do not eat or I will kill you, so uh, please heed that message. Anybody want to guess what kind of cake that is? I mean, it looks chocolate based on the outside. You know what's underneath? Anybody want to take a guess? Do what? If you said manure, that's right. It's a compost manure cake on the inside. If you want a piece, I'll give it to you afterwards. I made it for the uh, Valentine's dinner in a few weeks. I think this cake is a perfect representation of some people they're in our churches they come in and they slap on some frosting and they think everything's okay i hope that that doesn't describe you but you know what i'm talking about people who walk into our church building and or any church building really and they're pretending that everything's okay when it's not they've slapped on some frosting they look good from the outside. They look tasty from the outside. But inwardly, something stinks. Something's not right. So they come to church and, and, and they put on their mask and they sit in the pew. And yet during the week, they're still drinking a case of beer a day. During the week, they're still looking at pornography. During the week, they're still having those affairs. They're, they're doing all the things that they shouldn't be doing. And they think that by coming to church on Sunday, that makes it all right. They don't treat people with respect during the week. They treat their employees like a jerk. They slap on some frosting on Sunday and they think that's okay. They're pretending. But carry that out to its logical end. I mean, where is this going to end, right? You can live like the devil the rest of the week and then come on Sunday and try to be an angel, but where is that going to end for you? How is that going to end up for you? Carry it out to its logical conclusion. What's the end game here? So you come in week in and week out and you slap on some frosting and everybody looks at you and, and, and thinks that you're great and the people here are going to give you the benefit of the doubt more than likely. They're going to see you sitting in the pew. They're going to see you singing and, and listening and taking notes and they're going to think, wow, what a faithful person. And then, you know, over time, people are going to believe the lie. And then you're going to die, and somebody, maybe me, is going to say some nice things about you. We're going to watch a slideshow about you. We're going to cry, and we're going to remember all the, all the good qualities that you exhibited on Sunday. Or maybe even during the week when you covered up some things and wore your frosting during the week as well. And people are going to say, well, at least they've gone home to their reward now. And you didn't. They're going to say, well, at least they're home now. At least they've received their reward, and you didn't. You're not in heaven because something stunk that you didn't take care of. How's this going to end for you? It won't end well. I want to encourage you this morning, if you're slapping on some frosting to try to hide the compost that's underneath, come clean. This is a church family that will allow you to take off the mask. 
This is a church family that will love you in your mess. Right? Right? You will? Amen? We were sitting at the table last night at the uh, teacher appreciation dinner, and Clyde Brown was talking to me about you know, prison ministry, and he said, you know, a lot of these guys say they're going to they're gonna come when they get out, and they're asking questions, you know, will they... Will they accept me there? I've got tattoos all over me and, you know, and all this. Will they accept me? Absolutely we will. Without question. And if you don't, you need to look inwardly first. Because you've got a problem. We will love you in your mess. But here's the thing. You've got to get real. You've got to get real this morning. No more being fake. No more slapping on some icing. Get right this morning. Pull back the curtain. Let us help you. Come as we stand and as we sing.